Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Isn't that the truth? Whatever you go through, the Lord will lead you through it. We found that out this past couple of weeks. I guess 44 years of marriage, this is probably the sickest we've ever been. But God has blessed, and we're so thankful that he has blessed, and continue to pray for Carolyn. She's getting better, but she's still not feeling well. But uh, thank you for everything you've done, your prayers. But we're glad to be here this morning, glad to see each of you. And God is faithful, amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 14. We want to bring a message entitled, Count the Cost. Count the Cost. Verses 25 to 35. Luke chapter 14. The Bible says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king coming to make war against another king sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Father, thank you that you have given us ears that we may hear you. And Father, we pray that you'd speak to us spiritually today, that we might be mindful of the facts that you've called us to do. And Lord, help us to put you first. Help us to count the cost. But we know whatever cost it may be, when we follow you, you will supply everything. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for touching us this past couple of weeks. And thank you that one day we won't have to worry about sickness anymore. Because we'll be in heaven with you. But there might be those here this morning that that won't be. Because they've never trusted in your grace, your love, and your mercy. And the fact that you gave your sons as an offering, as a sacrifice on Calvary's cross, so that they might be saved. 
Help them to trust in you. And for those that might be listening in the same shape, Lord, we ask that you would touch them also and change their lives and their destination this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As we look at our scripture, great crowds were following Jesus. And as you go back and read, Jesus knew their hearts. He knew why they were following. They weren't interested in spiritual things, like a lot of people today. Maybe they go to church, but they're not really interested in the spiritual. They want to hear good music. Or they want to have the fellowship. But following Christ is not one of their objectives. Some wanted to see miracles. Others heard that Jesus had fed the thousands. And he did. Some hoped that he would overthrow the Roman government, so that the nation of Israel could establish David's promised kingdom again. So there was mixed things going on there in that little place. But as Jesus saw the crowd, he turned and preached a sermon that deliberately thinned out the crowds. And we see that in verse 26 and verse 27. He was more interested in quality in their service than quantity. Christ expects us to act as reasonable men and women when it comes to the word of God and our relationship to him. Just in our Sunday school lesson this morning, God said, Abraham, get out of here and go to the place I'm going to call you. God didn't tell him where. He just said, get out and go. If God calls us and he lays it on our hearts to do the same thing, but he never tells us the why, the when, the where, the how, would we be as eager to go as Abraham went? We won't know what's down the road. Abraham didn't know what was down the road. But Abraham got up, took his family, and worshiped God. Would we be that eager? But Jesus expects us to be reasonable men and women when it comes to worshiping the Lord God Almighty. And the one thing that we all are to do, we are to sit down and count the cost before starting any serious undertaking. The tower referred to here stands for beauty, safety, and prospect. What were you looking for when you went out to build that first house? You wanted it to be beautiful. And I guess if you're like everybody else, you wanted it to be a little bit better than your neighbor, right? That's human. But we all wanted a place 
to call our own. But the tower refers to, can be applied to the characters we are building within ourselves. What is our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ? How do people view us as Christians? Do we have a vision of some great possibility before us? Beautiful life, eternal safety, glorious prospects. Is that what we find in our church or in our churches here in this county? Well, maybe because of unconcernedness, your life just may end like the Tower of Babel. Confusion everywhere. To live a Christian life is a great and noble undertaking. And I ask you as we start, count the cost. But how do we count the cost? How do I count the cost of being a Christian? Well, let me tell you, it's costly. Some more and some than others. But we must count on giving up habitual sin. No, I'm not perfect, neither of you. But we must strive for perfection. We must strive to do what the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to do. Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. But as you look at sin, sin is the worst of all investments. It will destroy. It will separate. It will cause problems all over the world. It will even cause problems right in the church with church people. Sin will destroy. And as we give an example from the Bible, you remember in Judges chapter 14, God called Samson to be a judge. But Samson was one of these men who thought he knew all the answers. Samson, I'm going to let your hair grow. Don't you cut it. That's where your strength is. He was asking Samson to be obedient. And Samson was on and off, just like a lot of Christians today, on and off, here and there, in and out. But Samson, I want you to lead this nation. I want you to help, and I'm going to help you to bring this nation out from under bondage. But Samson, you've got to listen to me. And church, we must listen to God. When he speaks to us, when he tells us to act, we must listen to God wholeheartedly, without any reservation, just like Abraham Abraham, get out of here. I'm going to get you a new place. And it's going to be a new nation. But you must listen. 
And church, we must listen to God today. But you know the story of Samson. Yes, on occasion, God would visit him, and he was the strongest man around. I mean, he could, the Bible says he took that jawbone of the ass and slew, wasn't it, a thousand men? I think that's what it said. But Samson began to dabble in sin in his own way. He wanted to get married, and so he had his parents to get a foreign girl. One that God said, don't you get. But his parents turned their backs on Samson, and that made Samson mad. And so later on, Samson found another foreign girl. Nothing against foreign girls now, but it's just the spiritual outlook of the whole thing. Samson, you believing in me, don't you get anybody that don't, doesn't believe in me. Delilah. Oh, her people kept saying, find out his strength. Where does his strength come from? And she tried everything in the world to get him to tell. But Samson held out for a while. But after a while, I guess, Samson got tired. And he told the secret of his strength. She slipped in when he was asleep, cut that hair off. And when that hair fit, hit the floor, his strength did too. Samson, get up. The Philistines are coming. He did, but he didn't know his strength was gone. They captured him, put out his eyes, and tied him to the mechanism that ground wheat day after day. Day after day. When you dabble in sin, you're going to lose. Samson had been called of God to be a deliverer of the nation of Israel. But Samson thought more of himself and his own strength than he did what God had told him to do. Church, listen to God. Give up that habitual sin that might be keeping you from a relationship from the Lord Jesus Christ that he wants you to have that this church needs in order for it to go forward and claim souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God wanted Samson to be a leader. God wanted Samson to be an example God wanted Samson to be trustworthy, and that's exactly what he wants us to be in this nation that we're living in. The second thing that we see, have we surrendered to the will of God? Surrendered to the will of God. Have you given Christ everything? Isn't that what verse 26 and 27 said? 
If you're like me, like most people, I think a whole lot of my family. I'd do anything in the world for them. But God says, do you love me more than you do that wife? Do you love me more than you do that husband? Do you love me more than you do those children, those grandchildren? Do you love me with the utmost love that you have in your heart and in your soul? You remember Paul, Saul, before his name was changed? Arrested Christians, put them in jail. Some were even martyred and killed because of Saul. But on the road to Damascus, he had a vision. And I believe he saw the Lord Jesus Christ in person. But Christ asked him a question. Saul, hard for you to kick against the prick. When are you going to surrender? You know, that same question can be asked of us today. When are we going to quit kicking against God? When are we going to quit kicking against his will? When are we going to surrender everything that we have in order to serve him? And I believe with all of my heart, Paul knew exactly who spoke to him. For he said, Lord, and if you look in the scripture, that word Lord is in capital letters, signifying to this God, Lord, what would you have me do? Have we come to that place in our heart and life when we have surrendered everything to him and we have said, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? And like Abraham, don't worry about what God has called you to do. God will supply every strength, every need, every wisdom that you need to do what he has called you to do at every moment of the day, every moment of the night, God will supply everything that he has called you to do. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Paul answered that call and went all over that region, establishing churches, preaching the gospel. And I believe he wrote 11 books in the New Testament that God gave him the words to write. And in those words, we have powerful teachings from a man who persecuted the church, from a man who surrendered all to the church, or God. And in that, those words, we can follow them knowing that God is going to do exactly the same thing for us. But we must surrender to his will totally. Third thing, there's also separation from the world. The Bible says we are to go after him bearing his cross. Now, we can't bear the cross of Christ. He did that. But we must bear 
our own cross. Verse 27 again says, For whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now I guess if a lot of people would read that, that's pretty strong. You mean if I don't do what God tells me to do, I cannot be a disciple? Isn't that what it says? You mean if I got my will and I want to do my will and I decided I want to do part of the things of Christ, but yet my will gets in the way, does that mean I cannot be a disciple? I think that's exactly what it says. Now I know there's going to be times in our Christian walk when we have those huh-ohs. And if you want to come down to it, we sin against God. But aren't you glad that God is a forgiving God? Aren't you glad that when we come to Him with a broken heart, yes, my child, I hear your prayer. And you are forgiven. Oh, man, we've got to separate ourselves from the world. Because we can't do two at the same time. Galatians 1, or Galatians 6, 14 says, By his cross the world is to be crucified unto us and we to the world. By his cross, we must be crucified. But when we find our all in Christ, it is easy to give up all for him. But doing it on your own is hard. But when Christ is leading, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. And when we know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, it's easy. Because God knows exactly what to do and what to say and when to say it. The Bible says in verse 33, now this is a little different wording than what 33 is. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want you to listen to that. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, if you would have been one of those sitting there and Jesus spoke these words. What would have been your reaction? Truly, from the heart, what would have been your reaction? A lot of the crowd left. Man, they were looking for the miracles. They were looking for the Bread and the fish. They were looking for someone to overthrow the Roman government. 
But what would have been your reaction? If you love the world more than you love me, the love of the Father is not in you. And you cannot be my disciple. Suppose every preacher, I mean God called preacher, on a given Sunday morning would stand in the pulpit and ask their congregations to either say yes to that or to no. Wonder how many would say yes in this country today. I think the statistics now that 47% of the United States is a Christian. And it's getting worse every day. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is preparing to come back. But have we given ourselves to him? Have we separated ourselves from the world? And have we said, Lord, here I am, just like Paul, what would you have me do? I hope we would say, Lord, I'm ready to go. When and where? Then the next thing, self-denial. The Christian life is a life of faith in the Son of God and must be the life of self-denial. You know, there's a lot of people, and if you listen to sports interviews, man, this team wouldn't be nothing without me. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, everybody just bragging on themselves. Self-denial is far from them in a lot of cases. But they don't re recognize that in a second God could put them flat on their back and they wouldn't be of any importance to any team. But couldn't that happen to us also? Man, I'm so important down there at that church that they just can't get by without me. Watch that kind of attitude. God calls each of us to join together, to work together, to love together, to build a church, to reach out into the community, to see that people are taken care of, to see that people who are lost are witnessed to, to do the best that we can in uplifting the name of Jesus Christ, wherever we may go, no matter what time it may be, we must be willing to self-deny ourselves. You remember Daniel? I know you do. Teenage boy. Carried away. But God used Daniel. 
to bring about change in Nebuchadnezzar's life and many other rulers. Now I'm going to build this big old statue out here and at the time you hear the music, you're going to bow down and worship. Didn't bother Daniel one bit. He went up to his upstairs window, opened that window towards Jerusalem, and began to pray. Didn't bother Daniel. But how many of us today would be bothered with an ultimatum like that? If you come to church next Sunday, come in these doors, you're going to be arrested and thrown in the jail. Would you come? But what about if you come and you're thrown in the jail and you're going to be there for at least a year? Would you come? What about if you were to come and they would take you down to the Roman Colosseum and turn the lines loose on you. Would you come? What kind of relationship do you have with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it one that no matter what, you would come through those doors and you would take your seat and you would worship God Almighty with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. Oh, Daniel refused the food and drink, and because he did, God blessed him tremendously. For the next 70, 80, maybe 90 years, he was counselor to several rulers but the second thing we want to see what about the cost of not being a Christian have you ever considered that the cost of not being a Christian if you put your trust in wealth or power and things of the world eternal bankruptcy Spiritual bankruptcy will follow. But can you afford that? What a loss that would be. God gave me seven things this week. But if you did that, if you are not a Christian, you would suffer the loss of the forgiving love of God the Father, even though his love is there, ready to forgive. You would suffer the loss of a forgiving love of a God who loves us dearly. You would suffer the loss of the saving power of Jesus Christ, his Son. You would suffer the loss of the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. 
you would suffer the assuring promises of his holy word. You would suffer the, and miss the joy of service in his prevailing name. You would miss the blessed hope of seeing him and being with him. You would miss the glories and rewards of his everlasting kingdom and his everlasting presence because we will be with him. I ask you, I beg you, have you counted the cost of serving the Lord? Another question. What did it cost the prodigal to come home? You ever think about that? Well, his rags. He was down in the hog pen. His wretchedness. He had no friends. Suffered hunger. And then the worst, he was full of sin. But oh, look what he received. Sit down there in that hog pen. And God reminded him of home. Yes, we have a beautiful home over there where God has given us, but that's not our home. Thank God by his love, our home's in heaven. And every now and then he'll poke us in the heart and say, look what I have for you. But if you're lost, that's not yours. It won't be yours. Bible says you have another place prepared for you. Yes, the Bible says that we are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Just like that young man down in the hog pen. But God can change that. And he will change that. If you'll just say yes to him this morning. And I ask you again in closing, have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost? Father, thank you for your great love and your mercy. Father, if there's anyone here that's lost, anyone that might be listening on YouTube or the radio, however they may be listening, Father, I ask that you would urge upon their hearts that they would count the cost of not coming to you. Help them to see their destination, but also give them the strength to call out to you and ask for forgiveness of sin so they might enjoy the blessings of eternal life with you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your love.
And most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes it possible that we might be called the children of God. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.